Welcome to Growth Marketing Camp, where we sit down with our favorite marketers to demystify growth and give you the insights to help turn your next campaign into a major success. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bobby Narang, host of Growth Marketing Camp. I am incredibly excited today to be joined by Kelly Hammer. He is content marketing manager at PDQ. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for the invite. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, happy to have you. Uh, Want to get the audience started today with a little bit of background on on PDQ. We were talking a little bit about this before we, we kicked off the show, but can you tell our audience a little bit about PDQ and what types of problems you're solving in the marketplace today? Yeah, we make a couple of software products. Actually, we kind of have three now because we just acquired a company called Simple MDM. But the company is made by system administrators to help system administrators, you know, cool. the folks that keep all of your, your computers up and running. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we have software that keeps those machines patched and up to date. And it does it silently in the background. So instead of, of doing what we used to call sneaker net, where you go around to each machine and manually update things, yeah, we have what we call the package library. It's about 250 or so commonly used business applications that we keep mm -hmm. up to date. And system administrators can go there, download those, and then deploy them simultaneously to all the machines on their network or, or a good chunk of the machines. And then they can automate that process. So it's almost like set it and forget it. If they know that they need to update Chrome or Firefox or whatever, when a new version comes out, they can set it to automatically scan the machines. And if the machine needs an update, grabs the package from the library, it either deploys it right then or, or on a schedule that they set. Just okay. saves them a lot of time. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I can I can absolutely see the, the, the value in that. Tell me a little bit about your market. Why are they buying PDQ? They buy it for a couple of reasons. One, it, it's very, very simple to use. Cool. Uh, the time to value is like five minutes from the time you download it to when you start using it and getting value out of it. It's just ridiculously quick. Mm -hmm. um, is so it's easy to use. It's very affordable, and it saves just an absolute ton of time. Absolutely, it really does. Absolutely. And then in terms of selling to to the market, you know, I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who worked in the I think the CTO's office at Bloomberg, and I remember asking him what the biggest budget line items were for his office, and sure enough, it was always around security and yeah. different, uh, obviously vectors of that in their business. But when you're selling a security or a product that sort of speaks to system security, my, my thought is that the obvious route is sort of FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt as being sort of a really strong sort of motivator. But I'm, I'm just wondering, like when you think about content for your business, what are some of the ways that you're conveying value and, and message in, in terms of your tone or, or overarching themes? I'm just kind of curious about how you approach that. You know, it's interesting because our founders were both system administrators, and so okay. they understand the space, and they mm -hmm. really had a great handle on, you know, the job to be done, the need, and how to make it easier. They, by their own admission, were not, like, well-versed expert marketers. They actually did a presentation at a conference called Business of Software, mm -hmm. and the title of it was, Oops, I Did a Marketing. <laughs> and they kind of tripped into success, as we like to call it. You know, they they decided, okay, our approach is going to just be trusted organic content. Yep. We are going to make sure that what 
we convey to our audience, to our users, mm-hmm. is, is valuable and it's it's real. Mm-hmm. And so they started out, you know, obviously with some written content with blogs trying to get the, the you know useful information in the hands of, of users. But they also did something that a lot of people at the time weren't doing, and they started a weekly live webcast. Oh. And they even took a different approach than what a lot of webcasts are. You know, the tech space isn't known for its creativity necessarily. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you'll, the, a webcast will consist of just a slide deck and a uh, faceless voice that's got crappy audio on the back going, so now we're going to blah, blah. Yep, been there. These guys decided, you know what, we're going to be different. We are going to have someone on camera because people like to see another live face. And we're not going to pre-script this. It's going to happen live. And if we make a mistake or something doesn't work, you know what, that's okay. In fact, it's all the better because we're showing people there's no smoke and mirrors here. We're real. Yeah. And now we're going to show you how to troubleshoot. And so that approach really started to catch on with our users and our customers because they could see that we were real people. And it just kind of grew from there. And it's kind of a philosophy that we've continued with. You know, a a good example is one day, one of the co-founders was doing the webcast and he's, his name's Shane. He has this long, long beard, beautifully groomed beard. It's magnificent. Uh But he had a, I think he was drinking a Heineken and just had that over on the side and grabbed it and took a drink. And they were like, did you just... <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, yeah, sorry." They're like, "No, let's let's just that's real. That's you. We'll just keep it up." So, our guys they sip a very expensive whiskey during the webcast. Cool, um, and they're just very real and authentic. And absolutely it's resonated. It's built a good community. That is so 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 cool. And by the way, uh, the the long beautiful beard is seems very on brand for a uh, system system administrator <laughs> just uh, ho- hopefully no one takes offense to that but that's in my mind's eye uh, i can see it that is really really cool so so i mean you, you started off by saying pdq is software made by systems administrators for system administrators and mm-hmm. and and i think that sort of sounds like there's resonance there in, in what you're describing in terms of this webcast because there are the guys. I mean, that's the team. That's the team that's making the software. And sure enough, like they sound like you and they look like you and they'll even drink a beer like you. And so that's really, really interesting. I'm, I'm just curious, like, talk to me a little bit about sort of how that sort of grew. And, and again, I'm just curious about this because I know, you know, anytime you're creating content, I, I feel like one of the mantras is you got to be consistent with it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's how you sort of build that traction, you, you increase the footprint. Can you just share a little bit about sort of what that looked like for the team? Like, how did the webcast grow? And what does the community look like today? Yeah, you know, it's interesting when they first started, they had, I'm trying to remember, I think we had just a, a very rudimentary green screen. Mm-hmm. And we were shooting in a small little office i mean it was is maybe a 12 by 7 foot type of office sure the audio wasn't that great they were using just regular webcams and you would maybe get 12 people watching the webcast live uh-huh uh-huh now fast forward through the years we we moved from one little office yeah. into a room that we converted into a pretty decent studio cool. uh, using hd cams we had a pro psych green screen 
audio was much better. And the interesting thing, you talk about consistency, and mm -hmm. that is so key mm -hmm. because you start out with 10, 12 people watching your webcast every week, and mm -hmm. then it will start to grow. I mean, we went from 10 or 12 people and got really excited when you hit 50. Yeah. And then from there, once you cracked a hundred, mm -hmm. oh man, it's like, this is a party. We have a yeah. hundred people. Now you think about, okay, is a hundred people a week watching your webcast, is that worth the investment that you made in that green screen, in the cameras, in sure. the audio equipment? Well, if you just looked at it from that perspective, maybe not. Okay. But here's the thing. How valuable is it to have literally a conversation with your customer base, a hundred people, 200 people every week consistently, that becomes incredibly valuable because mm -hmm. part of what we do on the webcast, it's not just us, you know, giving a lecture. Yeah. This is interactive. We're taking their questions live cool. every single week and helping them overcome challenges that they have. And in that process, we get to learn what those yeah. challenges are. And then we can better respond to those because mm -hmm. the webcast is one aspect of it. We also do videos. We do a lot of video tutorials and things like that. And it's, it's the similar format. I mean, we have a live person in the camera walking through everything unscripted. And again, it boils back down to that trusted organic content. And it, it really creates that community. We have people that watch the webcast, have watched it and joined us religiously for years. Yeah. Wow. We turn, you know, you turn the chat on early yeah. and I kid you not, we've had people up to an hour and a half before webcast time on the chat, talking to each other back and forth, helping each other with their problems. It's really fun to watch. That is so, so cool. And I think the point that you make about just having that dialogue with your customer base. You know, one of the metrics we started looking at really closely this year at OpenSense was uh, Net Promoter Score, NPS. And what's interesting about that is that uh, sevens and eights, they sound pretty good, but they're actually considered like, if you're just a frowny face, a medium face and a happy face, and mm -hmm. they're medium faces. And, and I, I remember looking into that, seven, eight sounds good to me, but why? Well, the reason is because those people are not promoters. They're not detractors. What they are is actually dangerous. They're indifferent. Yeah. And to me, what you're describing is a way to kind of like, not everyone's going to be a promoter. Maybe you'll have some detractors, but you're making sure there's not going to be anybody in there that's indifferent. They're going to, they're going to have to make like with that level of interaction, you're, you're not going to end up being indifferent about PDQ. Like you're, you know, likely that it'll be positive, but you're eliminating that opportunity for indifference, which I think is like really valuable in, in a way. It's interesting you bring up net promoter score because yeah. we recently looked at, at our NPS and found um, that we had a, a pretty substantial uptick uh, mm -hmm. one month. And our analytics people were very curious to see if that would maintain or if it was just kind of a blip. Well, it maintained uh -huh. the next month. And so they started to dig into it a little bit more. And one of the biggest drivers of that uptick came from webcast participants. Yeah, you love know, that. And, and the great thing is when you're when you're looking at your customers, obviously you've got that customer and they've got their the interest and eventually or ultimately what you want to do is turn them into evangelists, into Absolutely. promoters. 
And that's what we're doing with the webcast. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that are most engaged and are most likely to tell other system administrators about what we are, what we do, and how we can help them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is phenomenal. I'm, I'm wondering if this is the campaign or, or that, the theme that we're talking about today, because it's it's yeah. unique. And I've not like we've not spoken with anyone who's doing a live broadcast. And actually, this might be a decent segue because I want to ask you a little about your like your background. You, you spent a couple of decades, if not mistaken, in the broadcasting business. Mm -hmm. And clearly you've you've brought that some of that skill set to your current role. I'm curious, maybe you can articulate it explicitly, but tell me a little bit about sort of like your professional background and perhaps how that's either shaped your approach in your current role or what type of influence that's had on on your your current skill set or the work that you're you're doing for PDQ. Yeah, I I spent 27-ish years okay. in, in radio broadcasting. Pretty much everything you could do from, you know, being on air to production to, to programming. Eventually, that's, that, that's primarily what I ended up doing is programming radio stations. Mm -hmm. And what radio people do is try to craft content. That's really our, our main thing is we want to make sure that our content is compelling, that it brings people back. You know, you, you had mentioned consistency, yep. and that is a big staple in radio. If you've listened to a radio show or a morning show, afternoon show, whatever, a lot of times you'll, you'll know that, hey, at 5.15, Bob on the radio does this every yep. day. Well, that's trying to make you set an appointment to come back because Absolutely. that's what drives ratings. And so part of that kind of translates over into what we're doing with the weekly webcast. It is mm. the same time every week and we want people to set the appointment and creating that fun environment mm -hmm. you know just kind of pulls people in a little mm -hmm. bit you know in fact one of the things that we do the webcast is thursdays at 10 o'clock mountain time but we okay. start streaming at 9 30. we call that the pre-show and it's a very unscripted just a, a time where we have a lot of fun and mm -hmm. Viewers, they'll join it and they love it. I mean, we've done some little surveys and they just really enjoy the pre-show. What they don't know is the pre-show is really our time to make sure all the equipment's running because there are some things mm -hmm. that you're not going to know uh, until you start streaming. You, know, uh -huh. you could have a problem with YouTube. So that gives us that 30-minute cushion. Mm -hmm. They think we do it just for kicks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> but... You know, it's, I've been able to take a lot of what I learned in radio and apply yeah. it to what we're doing. You mm -hmm. know, part of what I did was coaching talent. You know, mm -hmm. you would have your morning show, your afternoon show, you'd bring them in after a show and listen to the tape. And then sure. you would have to kind of critique it and say, okay, what worked, what didn't, and how can we improve it? And we kind of do the same thing uh, mm. with the webcast. You know, we'll take a look after the show and just go, okay, how'd it go? Do mm -hmm. we feel good about this? Do we not? What can we do to improve it? And we're always trying to improve the show. In fact, that's one of my one of my goals for this coming year is to make some changes because I think we want to stay ahead of the game a little bit. Sure. And it's kind of hard to do. As I've looked at where we've come from, we were ahead of the game five years ago with this format and how it's going. A lot of people have caught up to us and it's like, okay, so what can we do to give us that additional edge? And so that's going to be one of our main focuses this year. Well, it sounds like I'll need to have you on in a year's time to understand what that was and share that with our audience. I imagine there's some competitive intel there, perhaps that I'm not going to, you know, 
I'm not going to ask you to share that with us right now, but I, I am curious, like, I, I guess, as you look at 2021 and compare where we are today versus, you know, when you started doing the show five years ago, what are some of the things that stand out to you that maybe are different or, or what are some of the things that you're observing other companies doing well that maybe sort of fit the the theme of, of that consistent touch point with the customer? What, what do you see in out there that you like a lot right now? Well, I, I have seen a lot of companies in our space or mm -hmm. adjacent to it doing similar things that we've been doing for a long time with webcasts or with webinars. And they've really honed in on that consistency because okay. I, I do think that's key. If you're going to build that audience and that yeah. community, you know, you have to have that consistency. Some of the things that we're kind of looking at, you know, as I look at the media landscape, it changes so, so quickly. Sure. And in a business to business environment, mm -hmm. some things work and some things that may work for a B2C aren't going to work quite as well. But things that we're going to explore anyway, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're getting into the podcast space and, and mm -hmm. granted, I think we're probably a little bit late into that area. It's not anything that we've done. You know, what podcast has done, we've been doing on a webcast. Yep, now yep. we're just going to use that as another kind of arm. I look at things like, believe it or not, TikTok. Yeah, um, I believe it. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of momentum. Now, you wouldn't really think from a B2B standpoint, okay, is that effective? It's not as effective as it is B2C, mm -hmm. but is it worth looking into? Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to look at these trends. And the great thing about the company that I work for is we believe really in trying things. Sure. I mean, I, I, I fiercely believe if you're not failing at some things, mm -hmm. you're not, you're just not trying hard enough or you're not trying enough things. Absolutely. You're going to fail. Mm -hmm. You should be failing at things because that's how you're going to learn. Yeah. You're going to figure out what works. So, you know, there's, there's TikTok, there's Clubhouse, there, I mean, mm -hmm. Instagram, I mean, all sorts of stuff. Social media hasn't been a big push for us. Primarily, you know, we haven't seen it or it hasn't been as effective B2B, but it's becoming such a force that you can't yeah. ignore it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, why would you, if you mm -hmm. can gain some traction there, even if it's not huge, a little bit will help. Yeah. But let's explore it. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, the idea is always you want to meet your audience where they are. Mm -hmm. And so inevitably, you know, system administrators are changing as we are changing as a society. Right. So like eventually like the young, the young bucks who are, you know, just coming up, I mean, they're coming up with social media being a huge yeah. part of how they consume the media and spend their time. My, my wife and I, are, this is, too much information, I imagine. Her cousin is nannying for us right now and she's in her early 20s and I cannot tell you how much time I see her just scrolling through TikTok. And it's not for me. Like, I'm, I'm an Instagram guy, I guess. But yeah. like, you know, it's just interesting. Just that's how media is consumed for a particular age group. And within that age group, there will be system administrators. And so if you can reach them, there's certainly opportunity there, I would imagine. You are spot on with that. I was going to bring up the fact that we have a new receptionist Mm -hmm. She is um, in her early 20s and she will recruit people to join her in doing some TikToks. Uh-huh. Okay. And so we have one of our, um, he's our graphic designer. Yeah. He's been helping her out a lot with that and they've been starting to make some posts. They they created something for PDQ and they're starting to do some, some TikTok for yeah. our brand. But 
I had that same realization. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, you have to watch these, these young people because that's where the next generation of customers is coming from. So that's right. where are they spending your, their time? That's okay. right. That's where we need to at least explore where we should be. So I'm really curious about this too, because I think you're making a pretty strong case for any B2B company to have a, a radio man on the team. Uh, Cause I think there's, there's a lot, there's a, there's a fearlessness that comes with the experience that you undoubtedly have doing live programming for nearly three decades. And to me, that sounds really valuable for a B2B marketing organization. There's a huge focus, it sounds like on, on a lot of this content, a lot of this programming as a part of the marketing strategy. I mean, is this what PDQ does for marketing? Like, what are some of the other things that, that the marketing team are, are getting into? Because this just seems like a huge, to me, it, it seems like it would be a huge production, like what you're doing. And I'm just wondering what, what time and resources are left over for, for other things. So, so what, are, what are some of the other things that, that your marketing team is engaging in? Well, the great thing about it is the company has been growing pretty quickly. Over the yeah. last 18 months, we've uh-huh. expanded. And the good thing is when I started at PDQ, I was employee number 18. And we had at that point uh, what we called smarketing. That was mm-hmm. marketing department, sales and marketing. Got it. And I managed both. Got it. So you have a limited amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have to be careful where you put those resources. Now, since we've started to grow, we've been able to bring on additional people. We have someone who is actually handling what we call digital marketing now. And yep. she's fantastic cool. at it. So it's it's one of those situations where it's like, I can take off one of the hats. Yeah. I can hand it to somebody. We have separated our sales and our marketing departments have a sales manager, took that hat off. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's been kind of nice. So when we're kind of deciding where we're going to put marketing resources, it's been good that I can focus primarily on content generation as far as video and blog content. And I can let someone else work on lead generation through the website, through email marketing, and some of those conventional means as well, because she's got far more experience and expertise in that than I do. And it mm-hmm. was quite a relief, actually. I was mm-hmm. like, sweet. Yeah. We're going to kick some butt over there. This yeah. is awesome. But yeah, it's it, it's been interesting now that we can focus on different areas of content. One of the things that we've been doing for, for such a long time, most of our written content was focused around our products, mm-hmm. you know, PDQ Deploy and PDQ Inventory. We've acquired another company, Simple MDM. They do for Mac what we do for Windows environment. Cool. So that opens up a whole new area of content. Absolutely. And we're also trying to to broaden our net a little bit. We're, we're writing and creating more content for general IT topics. The thought behind that is, look, our system administrators, they do more than just update machines, right? Mm-hmm. If we can provide resources and help to them on a broader range of topics, you know, we can get more eyes on our product for one, but we just... We really just want to be able to help make their jobs easier and help them be more effective. And so that's been another area of focus and kind of push that we've just started in the last six months is trying to broaden that scope a little bit. It it seems to me that if PDQ sets out to be the sort of trusted brand for the IT professional in terms of like what's current, what's new and what you should be reading, it probably also has a feedback loop, not just to sell more of your current product, but I mean, shoot, that has to open opportunities to even consider getting into other spaces as well. I mean, like if yeah. they trust you, you can arguably 
you could potentially sell them anything. I mean, I, I don't know, but it just seems interesting to me and, and, and a really wise play, it seems. Well, and it's been interesting to watch the trust. I think I think one of the places that we go to where we can tell that we are a trusted company is Reddit. You know, and I don't mean this in a negative way. The Reddit crowd, they can be a, a persnickety bunch. Sure. Nicely put. But uh, because they're good at what they do and they're very protective of their space as well Absolutely. they could be. It's been interesting when you look at mentions of PDQ on Reddit because the vast majority of it has been very positive. But the interesting thing is if someone has something negative to say, we never have to respond. It's one of those situations where if I read some negative stuff going down, I kind of sit back and just go, oh, look out now because uh -huh. the fans take care of it for us because we've developed that community and that trusted relationship with them. And they're just, they're fantastic. I love them. What an incredible barometer that is of the status of your brand within the community <laughs> is the extent of the rabidity of their response to any negative comment <laughs> about your brand. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. And, and by the way, I, I know the subreddit you're talking about, the r slash sysadmin, I imagine. That, yeah, that's, that's, that's the one, that's right? The one. Now, it's not yeah. to say that we're perfect. I mean, one of the core values that we have as a company is ownership. And that, that's like, look, if, you know, I'm going to own this and also, you know, honesty. We're, we're honest even when it's embarrassing. And there, yep. there have been a couple of times when our product hasn't performed up to the level that we wanted it to. Absolutely. And the level of expectation of our, of our users. And mm -hmm. in those cases, we take those core values and really embrace them. We created a, an apology video mm. where our product was running slower than it should. And it's like, look, we know it. We admit it. Mm -hmm. And our promise to you is we're going to fix this. And Absolutely. so we created this apology video that was, it was freaking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, two guys responsible for it are in our creative department. And oh my gosh, they, they just absolutely nailed uh, it. That, that is awesome. And and I think your broader point is, is spot on. I, I was mentioning to you off, off air, we had a, an issue with, with email delivery times this week for a pretty large subset of our, our Google customers. And it's interesting. Definitely fielded a few calls of individuals who were frustrated. However, once we got into our cadence of clear communication, taking ownership, and just also providing transparency of what was happening, mm -hmm. we walked away with our customers actually being happy. Like yeah. imagine that there was a service issue, but at the end of it all, people were actually appreciative of the transparency, the consistent communication, and just just owning it. And and, and I think that's like, um, you know, not, I don't know if that's necessarily related to, to growth marketing. I think that's probably just a general principle and, and a good lesson. It's that, you know, with tech, invariably, you know, the proverbial S will hit the the, the, the fan. And, and when it does, you just, you got to own it and you just got to be transparent about it. And that's probably the best sort of play in that circumstance. That's the thing that the, the tech folks yeah, yeah. are smart, smart yeah, people. Exactly. I mean, you're, you're not going to, to be able to BS them. Correct. I mean, they will see right through that. You know, if you're really trying to care about your customer, exactly. it's the yeah. right thing. To exactly. Do. Exactly. I want to ask you just a couple more questions questions before we wrap up tonight. Again, really appreciate you, you being with us today. What are some things that you would say that a B2B marketing team, if they're not doing it today, they should absolutely start doing it today. And then the flip side of that is what's something that you've observed perhaps 
other businesses that you're aware of that, that they're doing that perhaps they should stop right away? So it's kind of like a two-part question. One is what should they start doing immediately? What should they stop doing immediately? Hmm. Be real for one. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's interesting because a lot of that ability to be real and be nimble and pivot starts to diminish as a company starts to scale and grow. Totally. They're, they're inevitably become, you know, there's a bureaucracy there that makes it very difficult to be as real as, as you would like to be. Mm. So for a company like ours, that really the foundation of what we did and what our marketing has been, um, has been that real authentic marketing type stuff. As we continue to scale, that's mm-hmm. something that we're very, very aware of. And we're extremely cautious not to lose that brand Good. voice. Yeah. Because it's very simple to slip into a, um, a very corporate type of approach. Yep. And it's, it, I don't think it's as effective yeah. as, as just authentic type of content. So mm-hmm. be aware of what your brand voice is. Mm. And as much as you can, be true to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stick with it. Mm-hmm. If you're in a situation where your your company is a little bit large, I know it's like, you know, trying to push a boulder uphill, maybe yeah. be an advocate for being where your customers are and mm-hmm. meet them on their terms, on their ground, because your messaging is going to be much more effective. It's going to be more relevant. And I guess some of it, too, depends on who your target is. Sure. I mean, for us, you know, we, we're primarily talking to, you know, the system administrator. Okay. There are companies whose, and some of this depends on price point, I guess. Some companies are going to be delivering a message more to the CTO. Their hot buttons, what's going to get them excited, different things. So Mm -hmm. make sure you understand who your audience is and create the message around Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's really key because what is going to, to excite and motivate that system administrator Probably a lot different than what's going to motivate the CTO Absolutely. head of accounting. Absolutely. So meet them on their ground. Yeah. In a way, that's actually a, a good way to kind of answer that two-part question. It's be real if you're not already and if you're and and stop not being real uh-huh, yeah. if you if that's if that's what you're doing. I got to tell you, this is um this is giving me a lot to think about. You know, we we obviously we we launched this podcast about a year ago, and and that's certainly I think. Uh, you know, something that we're really proud of. I think this will be close to our 40th episode, if I'm not mistaken, which is nice. pr- pr- pretty good. But, you know, there's a, there's a lot to think about with what you've described so far, because I think there's a level of professionalism that I'm sure you had an influence on, on the, the webcast, but it just seems like such a smart way to, again, create that brand voice, that authenticity, put yourself in front of the customer, engaging with them, learning from them, making them rabid supporters of you. This is really, really, I think, incredibly smart. And, and I imagine your team probably feels really kind of fortunate because there's not a lot of companies out there, I feel like, that are doing that right now, like the way that you've described it. And so I got to say kudos to you and to your team for having the foresight and then the skill set to be able to actually execute it and then the commitment to keep doing it because that seems like a really, really unique approach, one that I've not seen before. And certainly something to think about as we go forward. Well, I appreciate it. You know, we do have a really good bunch of creative people there. And I have to give just an unbelievable amount of, of credit to our founders, 
of mm-hmm. Sean and Shane because this was the direction and the path that they set us on and yeah. they have been hugely supportive. I mean, mm-hmm. Sean and I were talking about this the other day and, and he was the one that brought brought up the fact that, you know, would a lot of companies stuck with it and stuck with the investment? Probably not. But he had the foresight to do that. And we've been able to see the results, you know, when, in, in some of the research that we do about how people hear about our product. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the longest time, it was, you know, organic Google search, which is mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love having organic results. Below that was personal referral. Over the years, personal referral, believe it or not, has caught and in many, many cases overtaken organic Google search. Amazing. So we've taken those customers and actually been able to turn them into promoters. Yeah. You know, because the product's good, the webcast, the interaction that we have with content and our our support staff, our solutions people are are so responsive. It's just really created a community that people are comfortable enough with what we do and our yeah. product to tell other people about it. And yeah. I'm just I love our customers. They're great. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's just another way to interact with your brand. It's not just by using the product. It's literally interacting with the people yeah. behind the product. And that, that I think, is probably a, just a really important thought to, to think over the weekend. Phenomenal. Well, Kelly, I, I really appreciate you, you making the time um, to chat with us today to share a little bit about what you and your team are working on. I think it's, like I said, really, really smart. And I'm excited to kind of dig into this with my team as well. Thanks so much for being on our show. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Growth Marketing Camp. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would give it a quick five-star rating or share it with a friend or colleague looking to get a little more inspiration for their next campaign. If you want to learn more about the company behind the show, head to opensense.com. That's O-P-E-N-S-E-N-S-E.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.